This is Blake Erickson. Blake and I are coming up on our year anniversary of being brothers and uh, what a year it's been. So been close to Blake for the last year, been able to kind of, you know, be in the, the cockpit a little bit for some of your business and life challenges and successes. And uh, it's been, it's been cool, man. And so I just wanted to give people a taste of Blake and what you're about. And I think there's a lot of things that you have learned and are learning that would be insightful and helpful for the, the people that we're trying to reach. I mean, you know, kind of the demographic that I'm trying to serve here is really Absolutely. Uh, the entrepreneurial millennial and Gen Z men that want families um, and want to be family men and tear it up in business and do what they were called to do. And so uh, you resonate with those things. I know you do. And you're working on doing just that. So um, first of all, how old are you? 23 years old. 23. So 23 and love and life. Tell us just a little bit about where you are and what you're up to. Yeah. Great question. So in Provo, Utah right now in the hum of, in the hum of a BYU UV world, kind of the summer sales hubcap and uh, love and life just got done with my second summer selling. And so transitioned back into uh, what it's like to live a normal life again, dating, recruiting, getting ready for next year, work-wise. And then, um, yeah, just always working on myself, getting back in the gym and getting back into the books and, and learn about how to invest my money in real estate and all the things like that. Spend spend the the little I have free time in, in those aspects. Well, I want to I wanna ask you about the sales and how it's been going. So you just finished yeah. your second summer and it was pest control both year one and two pest control over at Aptiv, right? That's right. So I want to... The first question is, tell me about how the first year went. How was your experience? Uh, what did you sell? And and then I want to kind of compare that to year two. So tell us about year one. Yeah, great question. So uh, first summer, it was January of 2020. It's kind of when I signed on. Never thought I'd do sales uh, door-to-door wise. And as I went on, I just recognized the opportunity at hand. So dove in pretty deep, trained as hard as I could, probably as much as, as anybody's ever done before, before summer and went out with the mentality to be the top rookie in the company. And my other goal was to make over a hundred thousand dollars in the span of, of four months. So, uh, within week one, week two, I got the grasp of it and, and recognized that it came fairly uh, smooth to me, learning how to prospect, learning how to filter out buyers, non buyers and, and close them. And it just became this fun game it began so exciting. And so uh, after about week three, I, I gained to, I got to the top of the leaderboard. I was number one rookie in the company. Uh, I think we had a thousand rookies my first year. And so, uh, kept producing May, June, July, and then was top was top rookie up until about mid August. And then I finished my summer about a week later. And then as postseason continued on, I, I did get passed, but ended up selling 400 or servicing 469 accounts. Uh, did complete, did complete my, my goal of over making a hundred thousand dollars in income my first summer and just changed my life. So many doors open, so many opportunities that I'd never perceived myself or even see myself 
having at such a young age, 21 years old, 22 years old, just began to open. And I was like, wow, I wish every single person, 18 to 24 years old could, could not only experience what I experienced, but could have the same doors open to them. And, and from that point forward, I kind of had this burning desire to not only share with others, my experience, but teach them to follow a similar path. So that led into summer two. My goal was to uh, go from four recruits to 40 recruits. And so uh, we ended up getting 40 recruits out my second summer, uh, had a team of 30 and then a team of, of 10 on another team shared with my divisional manager. And uh, we crushed it last summer. We had some amazing, amazing individuals, a lot of talent, a lot of hard work. It was a team of 28 rookies. And so there I was, we had one other co-team leader had been out for three months. He was awesome. And then 28 rookies that we were training and managing. And it was, it was hectic, a lot of opportunity, a lot of, a lot of fun experiences and a lot of learning and growing, but, uh, we ended up doing $2.5 million in service revenue and, uh, um, kind of made all our, our goals happen from an individual standpoint and from, from the things that I want to achieve as well. And it's just been an absolute blessing since. It's awesome, man. So revenue wise, you went from how much revenue did you sell and manage year one to total revenue sold and managed year two? Yeah. So after you switch from accounts to revenue, so it's a little bit tricky and how it goes year to year. But my first summer I brought in a thousand one hundred accounts, which probably equates to about six hundred uh five hundred thousand revenue. And then uh, we we five x that did two point five the second year. Cool, it's awesome, man. Um, and so for those who don't know, um, you served a two year mission for the church, That's right? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, to be specific. And where did you serve that mission? Uh, Lima, Peru East. Absolutely life changing. So. What was something that you learned from the mission that stays with you? And I'm, I want to ask particularly about living in Lima, Peru among Peruvians. Yeah. So from that, that section of the experience itself, just living in that country and in that city for two years, how has that affected the way you operate today? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's awesome to to think back on actually. Um, there's so many experiences to choose from, so many unique learnings, but the overarching learning I learned being in Peru with the specific people of Peru is love. And truthfully, as we, as the longer you go through our life, I think everyone begins to realize at some point that love is the answer to most things. Whenever there's difficult obstacles or challenges or relationship problems, if you can react and lead and manage and just love, it solves a lot, a lot of problems. And so, uh, as I was in Peru, I learned that if we wanted to but help ultimately people, for myself, I realized like, come on to Christ, that's what was holding back, they need right? to see themselves first and they need uh, to see a lack it, of belief in myself, right? Or my ability was love, it was charity benefits. And so as yeah, I learned yeah, that and I tried every single day right, for two years, to, it was my overarching desire. Right to just develop a greater deepness of love. Um, we just begin to have so much more success in completing our objective and helping others come unto Christ. And as I've been home, it's correlated the exact same way. And not only gaining friends 
whether it be in dating, whether it be in uh, networking, whether it be in any personal relationships. And as I've managed a team and I've recruited uh, different reps, I think my number one secret sauce would be just loving, having loving intention and truthfully caring about individual and putting people first. And uh, that's been the overarching greatest thing that I've, I've learned from my mission. So something that I like a lot about Latin people and, um, y- you know, so you and I've had the experience of me getting to know your mission president and his wife and his kids uh, quite well. We were just at their house last week or something in Florida. So I wish we could, we could tell a whole story about that. But anyway, these, this family, the Amato. Yeah. So the Amato family, they're Brazilian. They're from Brazil, but they served as the leaders of the mission that Blake served in, in Lima, Peru. Um, And so we're talking about this Brazilian family, but they, they typify, you know, so many Latin people generally in the way that they're expressive about their love. That's what I'm really trying to get at here. They're very affectionate. And I like that because, you know, (laughs) it's just different, you know, like we, uh, we give hugs, you know, I feel like you have less and you have people that are less affectionate, something they're more affectionate. It's kind of a personality thing or, maybe a part of the country, you know, in the U S maybe, you know, maybe certain areas are a little bit more affectionate that way, a little bit more, uh, expressive of, of being loving. Um, but they take it to another level, man. Like they really do. You're not going in for like the quick, like double pat on the back bro hug. It's like (laughs) an embrace. And I just love that about them because they just show their love, you know? And, uh, even like between the siblings or like, you know, the, the mom, like sister Amato and her kids, like you just catch them just over there, just hugging, you know, like they just, they love on each other and it's cool. Lots of kisses. Yeah. It's, it's great, so man. neat. They're so expressive. Not only they have all the love languages, it's, it's amazing. And they're constant yeah. about all of them. Well, that's cool. So, um, all right. So I was thinking about what, what kind of questions to ask you and, you know, I've got a couple here. So I want to know when you think about your peers and I, you know, I've asked you to start this call off with, uh, bragging about some of your highlights a little bit, but I, I think that that's helpful and important. I want people to see the trajectory that you've been able to make from year one to year two, and it'll be fun to check in a year from now and five years from now, just the level that you're playing at. Um, but it's safe to say that you have had a very uh, quick road to success at a young age compared to a lot of your peers and you're a high achiever. So if you think about your peers, what is something that they're struggling with? What's something that, you know, the age group that you're in, maybe guys you went to high school with, and you could extend it uh, to guys that are, you know, a few years older than you. But your generation, what are some of the things that might be holding them back from having success like you are having, or you know, success in their own way? But what do you observe to be some of the sources of interference there? Yeah, I feel really blessed on my own to uh, have some amazing people like you in my life. 
uh, like President Amato, who have, without them, I I don't know if I would be the high achiever that I am. But one thing that I learned on my mission, prior to my mission, growing up, my dad always drilled into us the, the importance of purpose. And so I believe a lot of people come home, they have so much purpose on their mission, get home to the mission, get home from the mission, they come home, they go to school, they plug into the work system, nine to five, pay the bills, whatnot. And then all of a sudden, all this purpose that they had created just begins diminishing over time. And I think the greatest thing I did is the moment I came home, even before coming home, I already had my purpose set. I was going to be the greatest husband in the world. I was going to be the most dedicated and loving father existing. I wanted to retire at a very young age. I want to be a multimillionaire by the age of 26. And so each category in my life, I created a new purpose for as father, husband, financial, and then from a spiritual standpoint. And so because of that purpose, I feel like it's, it's allowed me to achieve at a high level and, and be a little bit ahead of the pack, I guess you could say. Um, and I think that's the biggest part of our, the biggest difficulty that the generation's gone through right now is just a lack of purpose. Uh, they've stopped pursuing purpose. And when you, when you don't pursue purpose anymore, uh, idleness comes into play. And when idleness comes into play, a lot of temptation, a lot of distractions, a lot of interference uh, come into our life. And then that's just a whole other slope on its own. And so I'd say due to lack of purpose, it leads to a lot of other things. And creating that interference is, is what our generations lack mostly. Okay. So is it safe to say that um, a lot of guys out there are playing a lot of short-term games? Absolutely. There's a, there's a lack of purpose equate to a lack of vision for the long road. So it's a lot of short-term games. Yeah. That's what works for me today. Okay. Yeah, man, I can see that. Um, so I'd love to, uh, to know a little bit about what it was like growing up in your family, because there are how many boys in the Erickson family? Yeah. So we're seven kids. I have five brothers, one sister. I'm the third oldest. Last one is a girl. So six straight last girl. And, uh, man, it was a blast. Yeah, that's, that's intense. So, um, I know only one of your brothers, um, I know McKay and he's the man. So, um, so tell me something about what it was like growing up with that many brothers specifically. I know you have the one sister, but the reason I'm super interested is because I have four sons and they have one sister, but I think a lot about these four boys and I'm curious, what was something that your parents so I guess this is the question I would I would extend is what is something that you can look back at and notice that your parents established in your family that helped you uh, get to where you are today? Yeah. I'd say the first thing that comes to mind is, is the principle of you reap what you sow. It's the law of the harvest. And from a young age, my dad would just quote... <laughs> we'd make fun of him because he'd say it so much. He's like, you reap what you sell, you reap what you sell. And so if you're going to fight with your brothers, you're going to sow consequences. You're going to be grounded. Or if you're going to have bad grades, you're going to sow consequences and whatever that is tied to that. Uh, if you work hard, you're going to sow good reward. Uh, so when I played football growing up, I had this law instilled in me from such a young age. And I just knew Hey, I might not be the fastest. I'm, I'm five, I'm five, nine, I'm 160 pounds. I'm not the, I'm not the quickest, but if I can work the hardest, then I can go and get what I want to get. And so, uh, I remember just like 
every day after school, off season, in season, first one there, last one out, putting the most work, uh, catching 300 balls a day, just trying to get my hands to be the best. If I couldn't make up for it, if I couldn't be the quickest, I'm going to make it up for my hands. I'm going to make it up for my routes. And so, uh, the, the principle of hard work, absolutely over everything. And just, uh, I think a lot of people nowadays, they expect things, they wait for things to happen. I think my family growing up with six brothers, we had to go out and create it. It wasn't, Hey, let, let's wait, let's wait for this opportunity to come. Let's, let's see if, uh, we're going to go play this sport. It was just like constantly, I don't know if it's a boy thing or because of the way our parents instilled us, there's just, we're constantly creating, constantly creating. We weren't waiting around for anything. And so, uh, because of we reap what we sow, we understand such a young age. I think every single thing myself and all my brothers have done up to this point is because of our belief in that. And with the, with the attribute rooted in hard work has allowed us to sow a lot of, a lot of great things up to this point. That's cool, man. I really, really like that. I like your dad already. I've never met yeah, him. Yeah, he's great. Need to make that happen soon. Um, I'd love to meet your, your parents. Um, so since him. we're talking about your parents, would you say that your parents were strict with you growing up? It's uh, a great question. I'd say from an outer, outer perspective, people would call them strict. Um, I would say there's a lot of rules, but if we did what we were supposed to do, there's a lot of freedom. Hmm. So if we didn't do what we were supposed to do, they were strict. If we did do what we were supposed to do, we had freedom. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. Great parents, man. Can't, can't thank him enough. Wow, man. So, uh, okay. Question I have for you is what is a daily habit of yours that you could point to that you think is responsible for you being able to make the progress and have the success that you're having at such a young age? Yeah. Um, best thing I do on a daily basis and a weekly basis is my calendar right here. Uh, I daily plan every single day. I weekly plan every single day. And I actually don't know how anyone operates without it. Um, but I would say number one overall habit is just spending 10, 15 minutes a day going through confirming my entire day. Because if there's time spent where I have a meeting and someone's not able to come to that meeting anymore, I want to make sure I can fill that with something, with something purposeful. I don't want to show up to that meeting. The guy doesn't show up and I'm just laughing for 15, 30 minutes to sit on my phone and not have purpose behind it. And so every day I just make it a point to make sure I plan my entire day to not only be, not be busy, but be productive and be purposeful. And so daily plan has been that number one habit for me. I love that. I, uh, I, my answer would probably be the same. I was just talking to Ryan Lee earlier today. Cool. You know, Ryan really Love well now. Ryan. He's the greatest. Uh, and we were just talking about, man, if you get the schedule right, if you get it really right on the front end at the beginning of the week, I mean, man, then you just got to follow your own orders, right? right. You got to follow your own marching orders. There's going to be some adaption, you know, or adaptation uh, throughout the week as things come your way. Sure. Um, there's always unforeseens, but yeah, dude, I think especially young, the young guys, our friends and peers, um, that's an area where there could be some serious up leveling. You know, um, I've heard 
stories of, uh, you know, different mentors or coaches or business consultants, basically calling someone out and saying, go ahead, open up your calendar. Let's see it. Open up the, the week view last week of your calendar. Right. And just saying, if you look at that and then you look at your results, there's some correlation. And so yeah. it's fun to think about that in the future sense of like, if I look at this week's calendar and then I think of my future self five years from now, you know, he's going to be who he is in part from the compound effect of weeks like this. So right. making right. the micro investments into, you know, your physical and spiritual health um, and not wasting time in the thick of thin things. Calendaring is everything. So I'm glad that we're on the same page there, man. Um, okay. So to kind of just keep this punchy, I'll just go to another question here. What is a difference between high school Blake, freshman year high school Blake, and Blake Erickson sitting here today. What, what, what do you think is a difference you, you might notice if you were to go hang out with him today? Any thoughts that's on a, that? That's a dangerous can of worms you just opened. Don't ask any of my friends that. Um, yeah. The biggest thing that has changed in me is my desires and what I want. No idea what Fresh and Blake wanted. He was just, he worked hard. He lived the gospel. He loved his friends. Um, he didn't go, he didn't want to go out and chase anything other than girls and football. And so, uh, Blake Erickson now, now seven years later, knows exactly what he wants, knows within what time frame he wants it. And his desires are completely different. His desires are more to serve others, to, uh, be fulfilled rather than to uh, make money or things of that sort. And uh, I chase fulfillment. I chase serving others rather than uh, selfish desires. And I think that's the greatest thing that's, that's been flip-flop from fresh from Blake to, to now. Cool, man. Well, yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> that's a funny question. You like that one? Yeah, it's a gold mine. Don't um, ask Naaman. Don't ask Naaman that. Yeah. Yeah. I might have to ask those boys. Uh, okay. How about this one? So I want to know what was one of the greatest challenges of this last summer managing 40 people? What are one of the, and I want to know maybe a challenge that caught you by surprise. You didn't expect anything that comes to mind. Yeah. Cool. You had a lot of rookies, uh, right? You said 28 yeah. rookies. Yeah. Two come to mind. Uh, two come to mind. 28 rookies on our team. I think 38, uh, 35 rookies total. Mm. Um, two come to mind. I'll share briefly. Number one, first two weeks of summer, always hectic for any team leader. And my first, this is my first summer leading a team. And so I thought I knew what I, I thought I knew what I was getting into fully. Uh, but first week we get out into an area I thought was really, really awesome because we sold there the previous year and we just weren't, we just weren't clicking. We just, we're getting, maybe we're averaging like one, one a day each and we should be averaging about three a day per rep. And so obviously I thought it was just a learning curve weekend, week and a half in. And, uh, it was just kind of the results were staying the same. And I was talking to all the reps saying, Hey, what are you seeing? What's going on? What, what are we trained on? And, uh, just, 
rigorously trying to figure out the solutions. I went and knocked with every single rep over, over a week and a half. And, uh, it was just interesting because we were in this, like, we started out, I had these high expectations. We were starting out down here and a little bit of fear crept in where I was like, okay, what's, what's the rest of the summer going to look like if this is how it is, how we're going to retain the reps, how we're going to keep them happy. And all of a sudden we had this training, um, probably eight days in to, to the summer where we talked about why we're there. We talked about what's driving us and what, when we don't know the pitch too well, or we we're not really familiar yet with how to go sell someone door to door, what drives us to go to the next door, what drives us to stay out till nine o'clock at night. And, uh, it was super unique because a lot of people started speaking up. It was almost like a testimony meeting. Uh, one of our guys who is an airline pilot told us how he was $80,000 in debt. And every day is like, Hey, I just gotta, I just gotta decrease my debt. Uh, people talked about how their relationship with their family's never been the same and they want to get away from, they want to break off from their parents financially. And all of a sudden, like this emotional spark went, went inside of them and they just turned it up. And then from there on out, like truthfully did not have any problems. Yes, there's training and, and obstacles. Uh, but in regards to like a whole collective team, uh, not being able to sell didn't happen again. And so it's so cool to see this transition emotionally go through their minds. Um, second one was we, we we're kind of creeping into the beginning of August. We blew through area pretty quick, more quick than we should have. Um, and I take accountability for that. Um, but we were near the end of summer and we had kind of re-knocked like the good, the good areas we were really looking for. And, um, we're trying to figure out what, what the best play was. If we moved to another area within, within the region or we fly to Arizona or different things like that. And we're trying to problem solve, get creative, create a little bit. So anyways, uh, talking to the guys and stuff, they really just kind of flipped their attitude in the sense of, Hey, we want to, we want to find new area. It was more like, Hey, let's just take advantage of what we already have to work with and let's change our mindset about it rather than like, Oh, we have to go re-knock. Uh, let's, let's change our mindset about it. And I remember that being like a super stressful time because I was like, Hey, we have a month left. We have like so many goals. We're not quite there to get. And if this attitude stays the same, our results are going to stay the same. And so it's cool as we, as we sat together, as I talked one-on-one with, with key guys and they kind of helped lead that out. It was cool to see the attitude change flip and, and we finished extremely well, probably the best finish I've ever seen out of August. And I remember you actually flew down and it was, it was right in that time period when we started talking about the August miracle that you kind of pitched in my brain. And, uh, it truthfully was an August miracle. And we, and we just finished so proud of the way we finished. It's just amazing to see because, uh, sales isn't about how you start, but the way you finish really defines the person you are. And it actually creates so much momentum for everything that happens after sales. So I was extremely happy to see that experience. That's awesome, man. Yeah. From a retention standpoint, a recruiting standpoint, you know, guys remember the very end of the summer, you know, they either feel positive about it and they're riding the wave of that, or they're, you know, remembering a burnt out feeling. And that's the most part of the experience that's, that's still in their memory. So love that you guys finished strong. That's fantastic, man. Um, okay. So 
one other question I would ask you then is uh, if if you could point to one thing that you took from funnel hacking live. Okay. So I didn't, I didn't give you any, any yeah. indication of what I was going to ask you here. Uh, but we were together for four days in Florida, Russell Brunson's event, funnel hacking live. Um, I don't know that you really knew what you were getting yourself into fully with Not funnel hacking live. So I appreciated that. I think you just came cause I told you it was going to be awesome. <laughs> and a lot of it was very marketing heavy and, uh, it may seem, you know, I'm sure you felt there was a lot of the presentations and things that didn't directly fit into sure. the game you're playing. Um, so, so yeah, that's the question. Just as you came home from that experience overall, what, what did you take from that? Did you take anything from that? <laughs> if you ask my girlfriend, she'd say I haven't been the same since. Um, truth. It was life changing. Absolutely really? impactful. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, the greatest thing that I learned from the event, from the people, I almost learned as much from the people I was with than the event that I attended. And uh, being with you, Ryan Lee, Robbie, uh, our Canadian brothers, which was so fun to have them, um, was just this consistent and constant desire to be in a peak state at all times. And so I remember multiple times you waking up in the morning, um, sharing a room together and uh, you just jamming music, dancing first thing in the morning and be able, being able to look at this in real time and see like actual steps and things and activities that you do. Ryan does, Tony Robbins does, Russell Brunson does all these people that are successful uh, what they do to get themselves in a peak state was so cool for me to see, because I've always heard like, Hey, create this peak state, create, like create your best self before meeting or before this but I'd never really seen the action. So I didn't really know how to do it. And, uh, going from that to Tony Robbins, who every 15 minutes stops his, stops his seminar. And we start dancing up and down, going crazy, listening to music and, uh, the way that he could keep us in a peak optimal state and so engaged for six hours. It was just, it was just mind blowing to me and just watching Russell Brunson up there with so much energy and enthusiasm. And so biggest takeaway for me was, uh, the importance and the, how crucial it is that I approach my life with almost more importance than anything than create, than to create a peak state, peak state at all times. And at the same time to always maintain high energy. Tony talked a lot about Russell talked a lot about high energy, uh, equates to high success. So those are my key takeaways. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, uh, I love everything you said because that was the theme of the week was high energy and generating that energy with intention. So as you were talking and you said the, every 15 minutes or so, he stopped it, stopped the, the talk, stopped the, the teaching and went into, you know, dance party. Basically, I just had this image in my head, like imagine what would change in the world. If like down there at the, I don't know, like the DMV, you know, like they're just <laughs> rolling through, you know, E7, you're up at the desk, like just whatever. <laughs> but then someone just hits a gong, you know, and like, it just means it's peak state time and they just blast the jams and every, you know, DMV person's just on their desk, just like, let's go. And every person was dancing, jumping up and down. Even if like, they didn't have to go nuts. They just like jumped and smiled, 
if every person did that and then they like, you know, all right, back to work. Right. Can you imagine? Oh, like man. high schools, man, like the government. What if everybody just had these out, you know, <laughs> on, on the hour, it's like every hour on the hour, everyone just stood up, smiled and just jumped up and down. Uh, I mean, that's game changer. That's a vision. Um, yeah, man, it's, I love that you, that you took that experience, uh, as being something to reinforce the power of intentional energy in your life. So that's great, man. Um, well, let me ask you this. So if someone is listening to this and they are, uh, wanting to be a success in the sales game, uh, your particular industry. So recruiting and selling door to door, growing a team, and they're seeing guys have a very quick spurt to success like you. I mean, you're year two and you're already, so you, you manage 40 guys. Uh, can you tell us just briefly what the vision is for this coming year? Yeah. Uh, well, in terms of goal. Yeah. Well, have 200 signed reps uh, going out next summer uh, in the door to door world, you usually lose about 25, 30% of them. So have 150 people knocking next year and do $10 million in revenue. Love that. Love the clarity on that. So from four guys to 40 guys to 150 starting the summer, 200, sorry, 150 starting the summer. Okay. Um, So someone that's looking at that and they're not, they haven't been on that same trajectory, same trajectory of quick success. Um, What is Blake Erickson's encouraging message to that guy? Something that he can take and, and run with. Love it. Uh, Step number one, truthfully is getting the right vehicle getting not only behind the right company that can support your growth, but getting behind the right leader. I think in door to door, you go more with the leader than with the company. And so find someone you can trust, find someone that's more interested in your growth and in your personal development rather than the money you're going to make them. And if you can find that you guys are going to grow really well. Secondly, uh, we're just talking about having uh, an intention of energy, creating high energy. If you can do the same thing, but having intention of helping people get ahead of life, helping people reach their goals in the recruiting game, you will always win. You'll always be the top recruiter. There's so many times that, I mean, you and I probably both have sat down with multiple people and you just know that their intention is not for your best good. And so if you can truthfully love every single person that you work with, you're going to be able to grow really quickly from a recruiting standpoint and help put them on a path of where they are now and then make, make you the company you're working for the job you're doing, the bridge between where they are now and what goals they want to achieve and, and make sure to deliver for them. Um, and then from a sales perspective is just remember the law of the harvest. I promise you my biggest, my biggest key to success is prior to summer spent three hours a day watching videos of Brigham Lindsay, Brad Farr, all these guys just selling a ton of accounts, pitching in the mirror by myself, putting my phone up. And I still have videos of, of me, like my first couple of pitches. They're so funny to look back at, but like do all the, do all the things that take no effort um, and schedule and plan time to, to become the best, look at the best, go talk to the best, take the pe- take people out to lunch, ask them questions, figure out how they got there and just replicate it. Alex talks a lot about, you talk a lot about uh, modeling success, find those you want to be successful, like 
and just model their same path and then put the exact same amount of work, if not more, maybe double the work they put in uh, to get to where they're at. That's beautiful, man. You're doing a lot of good. Thank you, Blake. Grateful to serve, man. So fun to serve. Well, thanks for, uh, for the interview. I think we got some gold there that'll be helpful to people. And cool. appreciate uh, you having me. We'll, we'll put this out into the world and see, and and see where you're at in a couple of years, man. Let's do this. Let's do this again. Maybe in a year we'll do this again and get a recap of summer 2022. That'd be fun. Look forward to it. So, Your podcast right. will be so big by then. Hey, love you, brother. Okay, stud. Thanks. Okay, appreciate we'll you. Talk Alex. to you soon, man. Okay, love talk you to too. You tomorrow. Bye. Bye.